When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. At a time when there are not many people in the game that we should be proud of. One of them's currently playing for Arsenal. One played for PSG last night. And one can't control himself in a pub from Man City. We have to be thankful that people like Gary Lineker are in the game. All the noise this week has been absolutely, incredibly stupid. But thankfully, Gary Lineker has stuck to his guns. And we just want to say thank you, Gary. People people like you, we need people to keep talking. And of course, as always, fuck the Tories. Welcome to the Anglo-Italian pod. As always, my name is Rory. And if I haven't scared everyone off already, <laughs> I'm joined by my very good friend. Adam, and yes, Rory, we've definitely scared off the conservative element of our fan base. I'm pretty sure Goodbye. if they haven't already done so already. But Rory, how have you been, me? Um, yeah, I've been good. Cheers, I've been good. And trying not to get too angry about UK news. Um, so kind of weirdly trying to keep off Twitter because Twitter has been an even bigger hellscape this week yes. than usual. Um, but in general, everything's good. I'm heading to Bologna this weekend. Pretty excited about that. Very One of my nice. favourite cities in Italy. Going to get some good food. Some uh, yeah, really good pasta. Really good pasta. Tortellini. I'm pretty excited. So it should be a good weekend. Yes. I'm going to try and drag the girlfriend to Bologna Lazio. I think the tickets are only 20 euros. And, oh, you know, come on. what, what could wouldn't? make a better romantic evening? <laughs> They go in to watch Bologna take on Lazio. Um, how are you doing, man? I'm doing very well. Unfortunately, I don't have that to look forward to this weekend. Otherwise, I'd definitely be joining you. Uh, instead, yeah, I've an got... open invite. <laughs> cool, I'll get a flight from EasyJet. I'm sure it'll be cheap. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, I have got the demands of my little boy having his friends staying over for a sleepover. So I'll be going through those duties, which will Aww. be bliss i'm sure we will go through lots of amazing things including treasure hunts and maybe pizza making i don't know we'll we'll stretch it out i'm sure in the background i'm sure i'll have a certain game to watch and cry at the same time but (laughs) never mind at least we've got some football to talk about right exactly exactly and the only thing i remember from sleepovers is my parents slowly losing their temper and then quickly losing their temper (laughs) as we as we refuse to go to sleep uh yeah no that sounds that sounds nice that's a nice family exciting thing right i like that nice talking of nice stories and talking about Mm. mental health you know you're gonna have to be it's important to keep your mental health steady this weekend adam right so if you are if you do find yourself in crisis jump in the car drive down to goodison park and they are opening up a hub for 
men who are going through mental health issues. Now, obviously, this is an incredible thing. This is mm. a great like scheme to start. It's a great. Um, it's great that these things are taking such pre- such prescience in the game now and in wider society. Mm-hmm. But as always, the real best bit of this is Everton Twitter. And the amount of retweets I saw, it was like, what was it? It's like opening up an Alcoholics Anonymous center next to a pub. Um, There was a shot of like a full crowd outside Goodison Park. And it was like half time on Saturday. (laughs) Like like, I love that the Everton fans are taking it in their typical style. But this is a great idea, right? Beyond bantering Everton, this is quite a nice thing to see in the community, right? I feel, I think we've seen a lot of clubs do more of this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think people always maybe are afraid to come out with maybe sharing these kind of elements of their lives where they're feeling these kind of pressures and maybe a safe environment where they go to a place where they feel they're connected with. I know a lot of people have shared when they've been through these kind of bouts of depression and all sorts that they've always found that that was the place where they could switch off and be themselves and not be kind of judged as such. So um, I think it's beautiful that a club like Everton have thought about ways of kind of maybe introducing that without the stigma. I think that's Mm -hmm. the crucial bit here is the stigma. There's no more stigma. And I think it's being more recognised, right, Rory? Well, this is it, exactly. And like, I'm someone that I've like, I've gone through therapy in the past. I've like talked to people at certain points in my life. And like when I've talked to my dad about it, and obviously that's the older mm. generation, my dad is very much like, he sees it as such a luxury. And like, oh, Rory, yeah. you think you're living in LA with your therapy, if you know what I mean? <laughs> he sees it as such a like foreign thing. But I think just having it there and having it mm. like present, you're hitting a whole different age group there of people that might just go, oh, you sure. know what, actually why not let's just try it let's see what happens i think it's Mm. really really great and hey if everton are three nil down at half time then it could be a very busy place i hope they've got (laughs) extra staff on just in case a few on call uh just if there's an emergency um but yeah there was another kind of online viral thing that took us this week uh take us through it adam yeah, I was meant to uh, bring this up on Monday's show, but instead nicely introducing it for today, which is the scenes of Jackson Irving, who obviously mm-hmm. plays for Australia, previously has played for lots of Scottish clubs, but also mm-hmm. for lights of Hull City and Burton Albion. I believe he's at St. Pauli St. in Germany Pauli, at, right? at yeah, the moment. Yeah. Um, but he, at the awards recently, was able to meet one of his heroes, which was Casemiro, and got a basically a selfie with him. And as they were going to depart, Casemiro then kind of second-guessed and went, Australia. Australia mm-hmm. and he went yeah 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 I, I play for Australia and he's like cool cool I saw you at the World Cup and like the scene of Jackson Irvine kind of turning around to like the kind of his friends I'm assuming yeah, anyway yeah, yeah. and kind of like blushing and kind of being hot-headed and just like that was such a beautiful moment for someone that probably doesn't feel like he's up there with the stars mm-hmm. of Casemiro but that recognition was just a beautiful moment and just to see him i think he's like any of us if we saw like mm-hmm. players like that we'd be like massively like fucking hell he's recognized me like jesus <laughs> christ that's amazing <laughs> but yeah that was just for me like a heartfelt moment that was beautiful and yeah i'm sure lots of people felt the same 
Yeah, I absolutely loved it. I love that his reaction of like when he sat down, he was like, oh my God. And he was genuinely like, I need to like <laughs> calm down. Yeah. And he's like, you could see how much it meant to him. And what I love as well is like Casemiro is someone, and it's always, it's always seems to be the case. He's an absolute prick on the pitch, right? He's an absolute arsehole. And you think, oh, he's going to be like that off the pitch. And then they're off the yeah. pitch and they're just the nicest people. And you're like, mm. it's just such a, he just comes across as such a nice bloke. And he's always, there was the video of Casemiro as well after winning the cup final where there was like yeah. um, a fan who had like special needs and he was like yes. hugging the fan. He always makes time for the fans. Just seems like a super, super nice, nice bloke. Guy. But to kind of do like a little humble brag, short little story, I suppose. When I used to work at the hotel, I used to do concierge at like a fairly posh hotel. Mm. And the Premier League teams used to stay when they played Stoke. Um, so <laughs> met a load of the football teams. Now the highlight was when Arsene Wenger stayed, right? Met Arsene Wenger one year, showed him to his room. Nicest bloke ever, right? The nicest bloke ever. Managed to introduce myself, shook his hand, etc. right? The next year he comes back. He walks into the hotel and he was like, oh, hello, Rory. And I nearly passed Whoa. out like i honestly nearly passed out it was insane and i showed him to his room again we talked and then as he shut the door i was just like huh? like what the hell was <laughs> like jackson irvine just then it was honestly incredible and i was like it says a lot about awesome yeah. anger as well but i was like mm. what a man one of the greatest moments of my life i'm not afraid to say that, incredible that amazing. unbelievable um but enough about me um we need to talk about we've got champions league action we've got europa league action mm. currently happening we can talk early yes. kickoffs and we can keep you up we to can. date with the late kickoff <laughs> i did watch arsenal slightly disappointing um mm. and of course after that we are going to take you through a weekend preview with all seria and premier league action we will see you on the other side. And here we are. It is time for the Champions League review. And there is only one place to start, despite it being one of the worst games that any human has ever witnessed. We are going to start in North London as Spurs go out with the whimperest of whimpers. And <laughs> now I watched PSG Bayern, um, to be honest, and we'll get onto that as well. But I did, yes. I was lucky enough, because uh, I think the kickoff in this game was delayed. Um, I was lucky enough to catch the last 10 minutes of this, which was absolutely delicious as <laughs> Tottenham <laughs> were unable to do anything of yes. any level, apart yeah. from a Harry Kane header late on, well saved by Manyan. But what I did do was really enjoy the autopsy afterwards. Um, I mm. really enjoyed it. As we had Rio Ferdinand, Glenn Hoddle and Peter Crouch all yet again talking about how all... What do you think Harry Kane thinks of this? How do you think Harry Kane's feeling? You think we'd have figured it out by now what he yes. thinks of it. It's happened so many times. It was the same chat over again. I enjoy it more each time it happens. <laughs> but we need to talk about the game before we talk about the state of Spurs. Now, yeah. over this, over these two legs, you can't argue that Milan deserves to go through, right? By far mm -hmm. the better team. Yeah. Had the better chances. Um, were professional. We'll yeah. talk about their performances as well. But for Spurs... Where do you start? Like in to not have a single, they had one shot on target at home in that game, I think, mm -hmm. which was the late Harry Kane header. Yeah, um, basically. They had very few shots at the San Siro. Um, mm -hmm. What, where, what happened? What, what are we seeing here? I think it's kind of materialised over the last few games. It's not just this kind of Champions League match, but what you're clearly seeing is 
a manager that doesn't really care. He, he's, he's, if he did care, he would be changing a lot more and be putting a lot more urgency into this game for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like at the moment they are a bit lost. They don't know. They didn't seem anyway. They had a plan as such. No. Um, and it, when you get to that point and you're really struggling, you, you need certain players to take the ball by the scruff of the neck and try and create something. I didn't see that. And it was only like Richarlison coming on that maybe kind of tried to get some urgency. But again, he's someone that slated Conte after the match. He's clearly gone into detail, which isn't pretty. And his experience kind of tells you all you need to know about the debacle that is Spurs. Unfortunately, they feel like they're going backwards again. Obviously, there's talk about Maurizio Pochettino coming back. Um, but there's also a quote from Harry Kane uh, about Spurs this season. So just to read it out, top four finish is not enough. Where we are at a club, we should be winning trophies. That's always the aim. The top four being our only target is a, a consequence of not playing as well as we want to play. I, I think that I kind think of summarises it really nicely. The word there, the key word there is want to play. It's yeah. quite an interesting, like, it's, you know, it's clearly not how, it's not the style of football that team wants to play. It's no. not, they're not enjoying the football. They're not, it's just not working, is it? But I also think for a player like Richarlison to come out and say, like, this season is shit. Um, and he said something about, I was in a good moment. And then the, then the manager uh, dropped me. Mate, you haven't scored. You have not scored. You've got two goals in the group stage of the Champions League and you've not scored in the Premier League since. Like, you have not been in a good moment. Like, I think, obviously, we can talk about Conte and we will talk about Conte, but there is an also a thing of the players are not putting a shift in, regardless of whether you like the football you're playing or not. What you should be doing in the last minute of a European knockout mm. game when you're only 1-0 behind is throw in the kitchen sink at it. Regardless of what the manager tells you or not, you should be pumping balls into that box, running, urgency. You should be trying. And what yeah. we saw there was players just shuffling about. Yeah, now, I know was- they were down to 10 men because guess what? Romero's a great centre-back, but everybody warned them. Everybody warned them. The guy has, is a loose cannon. He was the same mm-hmm. in Serie A. He got sent off a lot, right? And so I know that they're down to 10 men, but they bought that frigging idiot. And every big every big game, all he does is get a <laughs> He, he yeah. makes stupid decisions like that. Like, so I know that they couldn't. But if you've got nothing to lose... You're literally going out. Just throw yeah. everything at it. And what I saw was Milan just able to manage the game beyond yeah. that set piece, beyond the set piece where Mainyan pulls off a great save and Kane yeah, probably should do better. There was no real opportunities across that. And there was nothing that was, yeah, let's try and win this. And I think as much as a lot of the blame is on Conte because he refuses to change his tactics, he refuses to change anything. Mm. I also think it's a fair point that he looks around he goes, I came into this job. You offered me, you promised me to spend a lot of money on the players that I want. That hasn't happened. Right. Yeah. Then we've gone into a second season after I qualified you for the world. I qualified for you for the champions league, which was a miracle because it was only because Arsenal fucked it up. They got it. I've qualified you for the champions league. And then you've still not got me the players that I wanted. I can see how he sat there going, fuck you, I don't want to stay here. Why do I want to stay here? And at some point, you have to turn around and go, okay, 
if Pochettino goes there and wins fuck all, if Mourinho goes there and wins fuck all, if Conte goes there and wins fuck all, maybe it's not the managers. Maybe mm-hmm. it's not the managers that are fucking it up because all of those managers have won elsewhere. Mourinho went and won the conference mm-hmm. league with Roma. They never win. Yeah, exactly. Shit. Like he did it the next year. Yeah. Like Conte will get another job after this and he will win things. Like, mm. so you have to also say, is it that core of players there that are just unable to step up in the big match? Because you have to look at Harry Kane's record in finals, in semi-finals. He yeah. doesn't score in big games. Like he scores against United, he scores against big teams, but in big games, he very rarely turns up. And you've still got a few players there where the memories are of the nearly men. They're not quite getting there. And I think Conte's taken a lot of stick, but a lot of it, a lot of it has to go at the players. And then that's before you even get to the owners of the club. That's like who are just on this constant thing of let's try and get more and more defensive managers. Let's try and Mm -hmm. get more and more conservative managers. Let's think completely short-termist when they were being very long-termist with Pochettino. I don't know why all of a sudden they switched focus completely. And now I've mentioned his name. We might as well talk about it. But Pochettino, I don't know how you feel about it, but I cannot Mm -hmm. see this as a good idea. I just think everybody is saying that the club needs fresh ideas. It needs new. It needs new things. It needs a new direction. It needs oh, what will we do? Go back to our old manager. It just feels like a club that is fully running out of ideas or has run out of ideas. Yeah, I mean, look, I I, I see it as a positive move because I think he fits what they want to achieve, which is be quite stringent in terms of the budget side of things, but they do expect a certain style of football. Now, the question will be is, where do you draw the line and say, you want that to turn into trophies, etc. I think what Levy's learned is since sacking Pochettino, it hasn't gone his way. He's clearly tried to back what he perceives as people that could drive success for the club. But again, he didn't really trust Mourinho. Brought in Nuno Gomez, who was like the eighth or tenth favourite mm. for the job at the time. It wasn't the favoured position. And I then forgot he was even to, there. Yeah, 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 exactly. You forget about that interim period, don't you? And then you've got Antonio Conte came in with a lot of hype. He's on 15 million a season. That that in itself is a huge lump. His agent's incredible. <laughs> His agent is absolutely... The amount of wigs that you can buy with that, I mean... Yep. Just, yeah, 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 yeah. But... Yeah. <laughs> um, but Without going too much, I, I do feel like he will bring back a certain buyback to the club in terms of buying some rapport with the fans. The fans definitely crave him, what they did under him. And if you think about what he got out of the type of players like your Ben Davies, your Eric Dyers, they got performances that were probably out of their world at some times. They, they shouldn't be at that level, but he could manage to just squeeze enough out of them. And I think they're probably craving that. But you're right. I think that's not necessarily the all of, because there's a lot more that needs to be done at that club. And I think you're what I said a few weeks ago was that whole core needs to be shipped out. You need to move on. Unfortunately, football clubs do not keep on being stale for a period of time. They've got to move on. They've got to reinvent themselves. And unfortunately, the way Spurs are going, they're going to go further down the table at this moment mm-hmm. in time. They're lucky that they are so high as they are at the moment. They're just clinching on to that kind of fourth, fifth place at this moment in time. I cannot see them being there. 
the way they continue. So you think about how much more money they have to reinvest into that squad. This is, you know, they're going to have to shift a lot of players from very high wages. Don't forget that because a lot of mm -hmm. those players, if Pochettino doesn't like them, they'll be out of the door. But who's going to take those wages on? No well, this one is. is. Well, this is, and this is the issue that Arsenal had when we were trying yeah. desperately to get rid of Cedric and Mustafi and Kolasin. We just had to pay them all to leave the club because mm. nobody's taking them off your hands. And I think Pochettino, if he comes back, it could be a success. But you're now dealing with an Eric Dyer who's six years older. You're dealing with a yeah. Ben Davis who's six years older. You're dealing with a Harry Kane who has been the most patient man on the planet and is now running out of time yeah. and is just sick to death of it. You're, you're dealing with a son who now maybe if, if Pochettino comes back in, his whole demeanor changes and he becomes the player that he was. But I think the season he's had, and maybe even well, last season he did incredibly well, didn't he? But this season yes, this has season just completely seems to have killed off anything that he had. I think it would be, I just think for all I'm hearing is Tottenham fans and people talking around Tottenham saying, it needs a breath of fresh air. It needs renewing. It needs this thing to move on. It needs the core taken out. I don't know how going back to your old manager does that. I think there are other managers that you could go elsewhere and maybe have a project manager like Conceição at Porto or like even Gaultier from PSG. It looks like he's going to be mm, unemployed quite on. soon. Yeah. Like there's other managers that you could give time to who are good managers who play beautiful football, who could bring fresh ideas and bring this new this new kind of energy to the club because of what I think happens is you have to remember those players also got Pochettino sacked. Like mm. th there was a reason yeah. why he was sacked. He it wasn't like they, they hugged and left. Like his <laughs> ending was terrible because those players stopped playing for him. So then if he comes in and he doesn't get a good start, how long is it before in six months time, Oh, Tottenham are looking for another manager again. They've just yep. spent 200 million on players that nobody wants anymore. Like, and it just, the cycle repeats. I just think you're mm. best off just going right. Fresh start. Let's look for a decent manager from the continent and have a project. I just think I, I, and plus is that thing and never go back. Right. Managers that return never really tend to do as well when they come back. I think the only one the exception I can think of is Howard Kendall at Everton is the only one I can think of where, <laughs> but even that was like, he, he saved them from relegation. I think that was it. If you know what I mean, um, so I think, yeah, it will be an interesting, it'll be interesting one to see how it happens. I think the rest of the season now they're in this weird area, right? Cause Conte's post-match mm. conference as well was, Fucking yes. bizarre. Um, so he <laughs> and I, I put this on our Twitter because I was like, oh yeah, I forgot that. And it did make me laugh where he was like, Well, you know, last season we got knocked out of the group stages of the conference league. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. Ah, yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. Um, and now you know we've got to the knockout stage of the Champions League, so it's progress. And strictly speaking, well, he's right. He is, he is yeah, he's right. correct. Yeah. That is correct, Antonio. That is correct, but your record in Europe is still pretty shocking um <laughs> yeah but it just it screamed of a man of like it just the first thing that came to my head was in the simpsons when homer leaves his job um to join the bowling alley and as he's driving <laughs> up he just literally sets fire to a bridge as he's driving through. <laughs> it just it was that gif in my head as i saw him giving that press conference i was like it does feel like the energy in that in that um at the training ground is going to be weird now because well, the club want him gone. The players want him gone. He wants him gone. <laughs> what happens now? If I'm Daniel Levy, I get rid of him. Like, I, I, I just, you know, give why, it Ryan why, Mason till the end of the season. 
Well, I'm sure there's other people you could bring it into the fray, like Sam Allardyce. That would be a good laugh for just like that few games, right? That um, one, please. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but otherwise, um, they could go Thomas Tuchel um, to the end of the season. Mm. I mean, he's doing nothing at the moment. Or do they, you know, they've got to do something. But right now, you might as well just go, everyone wants a break. Everyone clearly wants a break. The players don't want to be there they don't want Conte to be there Conte doesn't want to be there he wants to be back in Italy sunning it up and look that that would be a clean break for everyone but do they have the money to like reinvest into this team again that's the thing they spent money under Mourinho they spent money under Conte I don't that think they can go not again that that, exactly something's got to pay Some someone's got to pay that back so mm-hmm. I don't think this is going to be a quick fix and like I alluded to a few weeks ago they might have to just go let's just give the kids a chance let's just give them a like clean shot just like just see what they can do I appreciate that's probably not what Tottenham fans want to hear because they've got that array of talent mm-hmm. that could be sitting on the bench but if you're telling me who gives more heart I'd probably say the kids at least give a damn right they want to prove themselves something at this club so Oh, there's so they many questions. on BT Sport that apparently there's not really anyone in the academy that they're particularly excited about. Like Oliver Skip is the one who's come in and he's he's fine. He's a Premier League he's standard right. player. He's I don't okay. think he's ever yeah. stood out really. But mm. they were saying that there's no one really that they're looking and going, okay, this guy can come in. It's kind of their squad mm. is their squad at this point. Um, I also think Tuchel, like Tottenham, you can hire a manager who hasn't been at Chelsea, right? You're aware of that, right? <laughs> you can. There are other managers available. Your last three of your last four, if you got Tuchel, would be ex-Chelsea managers. Um, yeah. yeah, I think look, it's an interesting one. It'll be funny to see how the, it will be very funny to see how the season ends because I think what is not good for Tottenham is that Brighton have got those three games in hand and Liverpool are seemingly back. Um, so I yeah. think Tottenham are genuinely in trouble now. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> but um, yeah, a lot of change needed down at Definitely. the Armitage Shanks Arena. We will see how it goes. Um, next up in the Champions League, moving on from that lot, um, let's talk PSG Bayern as at what point do we have to accept that Chupo Moting might actually be pretty decent? Yeah, I mean, that's certainly a topic that we should be discussing, but also the fact that PSG do the annual thing of uh, doing, this is what you could have won on Bullseye, (laughs) (laughs) because that's what happens with PSG. Um, Doesn't look pretty, does it, at PSG? But yeah, it took a while for Bayern to get into this game. Mm -hmm. Like It took the best part of a half to really get into it. Jan Sommer almost throwing it away, needing Delit to... uh, clear the efforts of I think I want to say it was Mbappe that almost mm-hmm. taps into the net I think yes. I'm not 100% yeah, sure yeah, it yeah, was yeah. Um, but I did love his quote after the match saying I owe Delit a lot of Swiss chocolate <laughs> so that that kind of summarizes his performance um, yeah. but yeah I mean the guy was incredible as was Serge Gnabry for that second one um, I don't know about you, but it was quite funny. There was a meme of showing Donnarumma with his like gloves clenched into his head, and then they showed a half of Milan where they're celebrating going through to the next round and people laughing at Donnarumma for making the wrong choice again, basically choosing to go to PSG to... Obviously, what he thought at the time was to extend his future prospects, but clearly on this showing, Arori, uh, PSG 
I don't think are ever going to win the Champions League. They, I don't think they've had a better chance since Tuchel to ever really stand a chance of winning this. Um, but I also wanted to ask you, what, what do you think of Bayern's chances? Because you look at that team and you think Mane's back in there as well. So he could be a really handy player alongside the likes of Sane, Gnabry. Muziala. Oh my God. They no. look incredible. Um, and this after the turmoil of their season. They haven't been doing it very well domestically. Um, mm-hmm. and this is the bit where Nagelsmann is clinching on to because he needs to prove his worth. He needs to win more than just the Bundesliga. Obviously, this would go very well. And I was just interested for your thoughts. Do you think they stand their chance of being now kind of tipped to be like favourites to go on to maybe the final at least? Whenever I see Bayern in the Champions League, I'm like, they're going to win it. Whenever I watch them, I'm just like, these are these are my favourites because they are just always so impressive. Um, mm. I found that like PSG, like, we'll, we'll talk about them, but that is a very good team they've got there. They're not having the greatest season under Gaultier. It's kind of weird as these two teams from a one-team league, I'm sorry, yeah, that exactly. are kind of having a title challenge for once. And I feel mm. like maybe that is kind of distracting things. But... Bayern seemed to not be distracted, made light work of it, really. PSG very rarely threatened. As you said, Jan Jan Sommer came up with one or two pretty big saves. Um, I just enjoyed seeing Jan Sommer. I don't watch a lot of Bundesliga, so I only (laughs) ever see him at the World Cups and Euros. My bloody hell, this guy's good. It was great to see him at Bayern. I was like, yes, unbelievable saves. Loved that. I think when you go through the team, as you said there, you've got Delict, who looks... I thought he got an absolute battering at Juve for no reason. I thought like he was a very solid defender. He he had a few lapses, but he's a young defender. That's what happens. I thought he looked incredibly solid this game. And you go into midfield, you've got Kimmich, who just is one of the best midfielders on the planet, but people don't talk about it. He is incredible. You've got Muziala, who you have to remind yourself is 18. Yeah, Um, pushing on to 19 now. It's only this week I heard Bellingham's going to turn 20 in the summer. I was like, Jesus Christ, we've still got at least, what, maybe 15 years worth of Bellingham still to play, potentially. Incredible, incredible. Um, And yes, you've got Muziala, and then you're like, and then you've got Sane, uh, Mane, Gnabry coming off the bench. You've got like, and then you've got Muller up front and. Who Muller, who is another player that time doesn't seem to affect him. He's still just <laughs> yeah. as good as ever, still gets the job done. His post-match interview was amazing as well. He just seems, if I could pick a footballer to go for a beer with, he'd be like top five, I think, honestly. <laughs> I would love to go for a beer with him. He seems like such a legend. Um, and then you've got Chupo Moting, who's now scored in his last three games. He seems, every time we do Champions League preview or review, we're kind of, making the same joke about Chupo Moting mm. scoring. And I'm like, oh no, wait, at this point he is actually scoring quite a lot. Maybe that Stoke spell doesn't define We're him. just waiting for Muller to go, Chupogolski, Chupogolski, like Golting, Golting. We will see. Hopefully, hopefully. But it's another one. Um, Muller gets the second goal as well, right? And I think PSG just, I thought their defense was terrible. I thought yeah. that Danilo and Mendes were both absolutely shocking. <laughs> I thought they had zero, zero uh, composure at all. Every time uh, Bayern did come at them, they just folded. And I think Bayern Munich's second half especially, they just kicked on and were just pressing, 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 pressing. And um, and yeah, PSG just didn't know how to deal with it. It is quite funny that Donnarumma has like refused, has <laughs> just made the worst mistake. But I think what what this really is, is there's a very good message for football here 
that just because a country owns a club doesn't mean you can win the Champions League. Yeah. Because Man City have still not yet done it and PSG will not be doing it for another year. I think I saw a great point made by Adam Crafton, I think it was. Mm. Like Paris is one of the biggest hotbeds in the world for football talent, right? Mm. Every good French ball, uh, every good French football that you can think of, 90% of them have come from one estate in Paris, right? Yeah. <laughs> like it is incredible. If the owners of that club just decided to invest in the local talent and bring through Parisian players, it would be a much more effective sports washing project for one, because people <laughs> would actually like it. People would go, like, "Oh my god, yeah, they're like true. you know developing, they're invested in the area. They say it like they're bringing kids from horrible backgrounds and giving them a future and blah blah, yeah. blah whatever." It would be a much better sports washing project, and arguably, it'd be better footballing project. Yes. And I think it's a really good point because what they're doing is just throwing money at random people. And I thought in the past, I've said, okay, it looks like they're being a bit more sensible under Gaultier mm. now, right? They've gone and bought a left back. They've gone and bought like the players that will do the dirty work. It's, it's not still changed. not working. And some of those no. players I saw yesterday, it just still felt like Messi was playing in the MLS. <laughs> like. He was just surrounded by players that weren't quite as good as him. Um, mm. And yeah, I don't know how you feel about that squad or or that, what I've just said. Like, do, yeah. you, do you agree or I don't know? I agree with your philosophy about the youth element. They definitely, they've, for years, they've, they've got good players coming through. And Kunku is another example. He came from there, from PSG nonetheless. And he went to obviously RB Leipzig because they saw what a talent he was. And they've just grabbed him, played him in team. Shock horror, he actually performs. He does really well. Mm. So this is a problem. They've got a handful of talents, even in the youth academy, that could do a job for them right now. But yeah, there, there is just generally, the problem is they're trying to build this all-star 11, but they're not because they are relying on the likes of Verratti. They are relying on the likes of Messi, Mbappe to pull off these performances. And I suppose on a week where Neymar declares himself out injured for the rest of season around the annual event that is Neymar's sister's birthday, kind it's of like the clockwork. irony. It's like, like clockwork. clockwork. It just works every time. He just has these kind of voodoo doctors or whatever they are just putting pins into like a into makeshift name. Neymar. But yeah, yeah, I mean, this is the thing. I just, I do despair. I think they just don't get what they need to do as a project because they've tried all sorts of different crazy things, haven't they? They've got Leonardo, for example, being the director of football and he pissed off like loads of money up the wall. Um, but also even the appointments they've had in the past, like you think of the caliber of coaches they've had, they've not been terrible. It's just the circus that goes around PSG. That's the problem. It's a cultural thing that happens there. Mm -hmm. And until they kill that off, this is just going to continue to be the same old issue, same old question. When are they going to win the Champions League? When are they, we going to see a team that is capable of pushing on? Because all they'll be known for is that team that dominated league on for years until the Qataris decided to pull their money back. Yeah, Basically, yeah. that's all that's going to happen, right? Yeah, and I saw an incredible stat. Galtier is the first manager for PSG to not reach a quarterfinal in any competition since 2005. Yeah. And that manager then was, now you might recognize the name, Vahid Halidzevic. 
Um, yes. And he is the manager who was sacked by Morocco because he refused to play their star players because he fell out with everybody. Um, so that was the last time that mm. PSG didn't qualify for a quarterfinal in any competition. Now, Galtier is a manager that I was, and still am, incredibly excited about. I think maybe it's a bit of the potters here that maybe the job was a, a step too far too quickly. Um his Lille side were incredible. Obviously, they won the league. He's a very exciting manager. He is very good at building squads. I just think, as you said, something about the culture at this club just prevents these things from happening. And what I think mm. if they are going to do this culture change, what they need to do is actually stick with him. And we'll see in the next couple of weeks whether they are kind of looking for this project mm -hmm. manager or whether they're just going to stay the same. I think it's really, it will be interesting to see. I think it does also hinge on him winning the league this year, which is not going yes. to be easy. Um, but final word on Bayern, um, just very, very ruthless, aren't they? I think any team that comes up against them, you're not going to feel particularly confident, right? I, I think so. I think so. And mm. that's based on just that performance because I wasn't necessarily convinced about them in the previous rounds. And also just their league form hasn't been brilliant. But mm. like I stressed out to you as we analysed this game, Mane's come back. I think they have obviously missed him in the part that he was injured, for example. And I think he's going to be the interesting element when it comes to those latter parts of these games where they need it to turn it on. I think his pace alone frightens defences. You don't want to be up against him, really. So like you said, there's a lot of quality in that squad. It's just maybe at the back, perhaps, that could be mm. the area to be exposed by, and especially with Jan Sommer kind of coming out whenever he wants at the moment. So <laughs> let's wait and see, though. But yeah, definitely good shout for being tips to reach at least the final, in my eyes, anyway. Nice. Now, guys, we like to do things differently on this show, and you know we're a little bit forgetful. We forgot to talk about Milan. We got so carried away. Slagged <laughs> up by Spurs. <laughs> that we actually forgot to talk about Milan. And they were. So we're going to bring this back. We could edit it, but we're not going to bother. We'll do um, that sound effect. And then go. <laughs> there we go. And we're yeah, go. Um, we forgot about Milan. They were incredible. Over two, over two legs, I think that was a very, very professional performance, especially away. Now, they didn't really push the boat out. They managed to catch Spurs on the, on the break a few times. But Fikayo Tomori, who's had a bit of a difficult season, was absolutely imperious, I'm going to say, last night. What did you think about Milan last night and over the two legs? I think the best meme I saw was a brick wall. That kind of mm -hmm. describes how Milan were. But I think also we talked about Mike Magnan and how he's, I suppose, the focal point for that Milan squad because not only is he commanding and he just grabs things out of the air, I think what he does is very clever. He gets them on the move. So mm -hmm. there's a particular moment in the first half where he grabs the ball that's floated into the air and quickly kicks it out for counter-attack. Now, they wouldn't have got that with Tata Rosano in the first no. leg, for example. But I think that's the difference with Mike Magnan. He helps them and he showed that last season. That's one of the reasons why they did so well and won the Scudetto last season was because not only were they kind of reassured at the back, but they had that presence. And I think that makes a huge dynamic in terms of the way Pioli and that midfield plays. But also, like you say, so Tomori had an incredible game. I think there was a lot of 
maybe critical reviews of him this season, especially off the back of that Fiorentina defeat as well, where he bundled over Gonzalez for the penalty, yeah. for example. And you're thinking, Jesus, you don't want that kind of form going into a really crucial game. And he has been known for going missing when it comes to English teams. I mean, if you remember, he got sent the off Chelsea against Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. And there's been instances in the past where he hasn't really necessarily shown his worth. But it was great from my point of view to kind of show you he is a classic centre-back that can do He's a so job good. for England, potentially. He's so good. He can still do a hell of a job. And I'm, I was thinking to myself, who's an informed centre-back for England? There isn't many out there. Maybe Not Lewis really. Dunk on current form, but yeah, yeah, apart yeah, from yeah, that, yeah. there isn't many out there. So, I mean, you have to look at that. But Malik Tiao, who we've been talking about for a number of weeks, what a bargain he's turning out to be. I mean, it's an incredible player. <laughs> I mean, he completely owns Kane at times yeah, yeah. when they were in their one-to-ones. And then you've got Kalulu. I think the funny thing was there was um, something I saw on Twitter, which was the combined cost of those three, and it was under £10 million. Yeah, yeah. It was just like absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. Yeah. It's incredible how, how they've built that squad and seeing Maldini kind of dancing on the Tottenham pitch. I was like, yes, I am <laughs> all about this. But I thought Tomori was really composed on the ball. There was a moment when like he had the striker kind of pressuring yeah. him and he just managed to like faint, send the send the striker the wrong yeah. way, buy himself some space, pass the ball. I thought he was incredible. <clears throat> Sorry, I always also want to say uh, Sandro Tonali was absolutely balling yes. out at the end. He yeah. was incredible i just saw him dancing through the tottenham midfield like just little flicks and tricks and getting yeah. buying himself space thought he was unbelievable i love tonali as a player and i just love watching yeah. him. i absolutely love watching him i think on his day he's incredible and i think he had a, mm. a very very good performance last night and milan just showed those like levels and just a kind of mm. uh almost a quiet confidence of just like we'll be fine We'll be fine. Yeah, like, yeah, when yeah, you, definitely. Because you know that Spurs have got Kane and they've got Son and they've got Richarlison and these players can catch you on the mm -hmm. break. But they just stood there and were like, right, get past us. And they just dealt with the game so, so well. I thought it was really impressive and very good management from Pioli. Very good management. Yeah, from yeah, yeah. And, and just one point as well, I want to kind of put out there. Nicky Bandini made a really good point where they said, oh, before the match, it was expected for Milan to actually perform at this game against Tottenham. But she kind of just looked back at it and went, actually, this is probably the first time Milan have been in the Champions League with an assured squad. And mm -hmm. a lot of those players haven't been necessarily playing at that level. Like there's a handful of players like your Giroud, like Giroud probably Ibrahimovic, yeah. Kiers. But apart from that, a lot of those players haven't regularly played mm -hmm. in the Champions League. So this was basically a first outing for a lot of those players to be playing at this kind of level and at this stage of the Champions League. For them to get a result is massive and it kind mm. of reassures you that actually there's a quality core that's playing for this Milan squad. I know we've slated them a few times this season on the pod regarding Serie A and their performances, but actually when you've got them all fit together, they are a colossal side that can really do things. They just need to build on those one or two bits. And I just want to quickly ask you about Liao's performance because I felt mm. on times he looks like he was going to do something. And then it's at that very last minute, he fails to deliver as well. Again, mm. it seems to be a confidence thing, but also is he even asked to be there? Because it, it feels like half the time he doesn't really want to be there. 
What do you I think? was thinking about this, and I thought <clears throat> we've got Liao from not last year, but the year before. Yeah. It just feels like he's gone back a little bit. Because I remember, and me and Tommy argued about this a lot <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> I said, I don't think Liao is that good. I said, mm. I don't think he's that good. I don't see it because I and I, I was wrong, but it's because I saw him once against Lazio at the San Siro and he was utter dog shit. And I was like, this guy. There's Deceptive. no way that guy can be good. So in my head, that was him forever. But obviously he's a very good player. But I think what my point is, is at that point, he was incredibly inconsistent and he was very frustrating. And he was someone who would go past three players, but then completely spoon his cross or would hold on to the ball too long and not release it. And like, I, I just think we're seeing that again. We're just seeing yeah. him go back to that. And what we need is, what he needs is purely needs as well to sit down and coach him and get him back to where he was last year. Because don't forget, he's still the Serie A MVP until mm-hmm. they announced this year's. Um, yeah. So I think it, it's just old layout and we need to get back mm. to get back to new layout. I don't know if that makes sense, but we need that basically. Um I thought it was a really, really frustrating performance from him. But there you go, Milan. We've given you your flowers. You were incredible. You're yes. into the quarterfinals. It's where Milan should be, really. Champions League yeah. quarterfinals. They should be getting further, but it's good to see them slowly getting back to where they belong. Um, we do need to talk about... Let's go to West London as... Yes. Sterling puts the ball into the back of the net and saves Potter. What do we think? Yeah, he definitely did. And you have to hand it to Graham Potter. I thought they had one of the best performances since mm-hmm. he's been at the club. Um, Sterling had the goal a number of times in the net, but he was always offside. That is his typical classic thing. Sterling. <laughs> classic Sterling. Classic. If it wasn't him, it was Kai Havertz having a man yeah, in yeah, front yeah. of the goal. Um, but yeah, I think it, it really did highlight two things for me um, that, having a balanced side so James and Chilwell were quite critical I thought mm-hmm. their outlets on the sides they've obviously been quite inconsistent this season because of injuries therefore they haven't played as much for this season for Chelsea but they show you how important they are to the balance of that team and how it plays so I thought from that point of view that was really good to see from a Chelsea perspective but secondly it still highlights the critical point which is they still need a bloody striker because they cannot have as many midfielders as they have on that pitch still missing very easy chances. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we even talked in our WhatsApp group, Rory, about a certain Christian Pulisic and what value actually brings to this squad um, because we were still that's scratching another... our heads after that. But that's another topic for another day. But yeah, I just generally, I do not this is the thing. I do only thing I will say about this game as well. Dortmund, I felt, gave too much respect to this Chelsea side. Mm -hmm. They did not seem like they were set up to attack. They were set up to counter-attack and they defended for a lot of it, especially in the first half. It was coming to around 35 minutes and Emery Chan is having to clear the ball out for like throw-ins. That's how bad it was. It was like kind of they were on that kind of last line of the box trying to make sure that they could counter-attack. But again, when you're talking about counter-attack, you need players to kind of be on the turn of pace. I didn't necessarily see that. I didn't feel like this was a really good Dortmund side that we saw in the first leg. 
I, I was a bit disappointed to be honest. I um, yeah. We, we said it, didn't we? We said but, like Dortmund needed to get two or three for this to be for Chelsea to not get through. I could see yeah. it from the beginning that Dortmund weren't going to get a result there. I think they were massively disappointing. When you look at the, it was weird because when you look at the statistics of the game, Dortmund had more possession. They had more yes. passes. They had the same amount of shots and shots on target as Chelsea. Like, everything is pretty much... Like, if you looked at this, you would go, oh, it was an even game. But exactly, it really yeah. didn't feel like that. No. Like, Chelsea was so much... Like, Dortmund, it was just sterile possession. It mm -hmm. was just... And Chelsea had the system. They played the game. They knew exactly what they were going to do. And they were able to finish their chances. And I think this is what we talked about Potter at Brighton and the fact that it was like the XG gods were against them. Yeah, of course, it's something yeah. that we're seeing at Chelsea as well. But they did manage to get the ball in the back of the net. And I think Raheem Sterling has still been Chelsea, one of Chelsea's best players this year. Yeah. Um, and I think that goal's absolutely huge. Um, it was I was actually happy for Potter to see that to see yeah. him get that win because I think well, as much as I don't like Chelsea. I do want him to do well. I don't want his career to completely <laughs> nosedive, right? Um, yeah. But Chelsea get through. Dortmund, just absolutely classic Dortmund. Just classic Dortmund. The only thing that... There's a little bit of drama here with um, Bellingham and yeah. Chilwell and Kukurea, right? Now, I know Kukurea is a proper mouthy prick and <laughs> in the past has had... Um, he has a past for saying things that... Well, nobody should say to anybody. Um, mm. Just Google Kukurea and when he was at Getafe, was it? He got into yeah. a lot of trouble by what he said um, to an opposition player. But Bellingham, now I know there's a lot of like, it's kind of weird. If it was another player, maybe you'd just be like, oh, it's fight. You know, he really cares. But I saw a lot of people talking about it like it was a discipline problem. How did you see it? I just saw it as someone who in what seemed like a close game, was disappointed that his team hadn't turned up? Yeah, I think so. I think you could see that frustration, especially I think there was that last chance where he heads it and it goes mm -hmm. way over the bar and he kind of slams his hands against the uh, side of the pitch. And it's just like, I think you've got to remember, and this is what we sometimes forget, is how young he is. Yeah, like, he, he's going to have these moments where he needs to mature from just these experiences. And I'm sure it will be useful for him that he's at this stage of his career where he's at a Dortmund where he's able to play in these kind of sort of games but yeah I, I don't have too much issue with the fact that he actually cares uh, I remember there was one uh, I want to say Europa League match against Rangers where he did exactly the same kind of petulant shall we say where he was screaming at his players because they gave the ball away left right and centre and he was just demanding them to play better and that, that's the probably frustrating bit for him is that he has been that kind of player that has been relied on for the majority of the season. And he's probably seeing this kind of go by the wayside. This is the kind of game where you want to aspire to win and progress as a team. So unfortunately, Dortmund weren't strong enough on the day. Like I say, I just felt like they gave way too much respect to Chelsea. And ultimately, that's the cost for them. Um and I, I don't know about you, I don't see how they get back into this kind of fray because I don't necessarily feel like maybe confident of their chances next season. I, I can't see them really maybe emulating where they've been so far this season. So I don't know. We'll wait and see. But yeah, I think 
there's going to be a lot of question marks about his future as well because i believe he'll mm -hmm. give an indication by the end of this month so whether he wants to stay or the club have offered him a new contract which again they're kind of extending that kind of possibility for him to leave but possibly on a higher amount because i believe the rumored amount yeah. is 120 million so i imagine if they sign a new contract that's likely to be 250 million because yeah, of Chelsea yeah. prices basically but yeah let's wait and see but no issues with bellingham no, and I think, yeah, just as you said, disappointing performance from everyone. I just saw a bit of discourse on Twitter, as always, where I was not so quite too. happy with it, so I wanted to kind of mm. talk about it. It's just, as you said, a young lad who's lost a game. It's not that deep. Nice. Then finally in the Champions League, who knew we could speak Flemish? Now, I think we've all <laughs> seen the tweet, but I'm going to read the tweet. Scott Parker is Niet Langer Hooftkoch van Club Bruges. I can understand that perfectly. I didn't know I could speak Belgian. Does that Scott mean he's been extended a new contract by a chance? <laughs> <laughs> Five-year extension, Scott Parker's blue and black army. Here we go. Um, yeah, he's gone. Um, I think he's <laughs> gone before most people realized he was there. I honestly, I remember hearing it. And then it disappeared out of my mind. Just switched off, Andy, wasn't it? <laughs> and then maybe Andy mentioned it on Monday. And I was like, oh, yeah. And then I instantly forgot again. Yeah. And then I saw the tweet and I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, now he's gone. Um, that was... Now, Benfica are a very, very, very good team. We have to say this. Like, are, Benfica yes. are, like, I think the dark horses of, like, you know, the team that are going to shock people I this tournament because so. yep. they are unbelievable. But that is not a great look from Scott Parker, right? And they're currently floundering in the Belgian league as well, miles off the, um, yeah. off the title challenge. It was a weird move, right? What did you think of this move? It's, a, it's an odd one. It was very strange because obviously it was under the previous manager, Carl Hopkins, who mm -hmm. obviously got them to perform to this level which is incredible in itself to get to this stage for a Belgium club as well, because I can't remember the last, maybe Anderlecht was probably the last. Yeah, I want to say early maybe 2000s. Kent, maybe as well. Um, but yeah, apart from that, like there's not been a Belgium side being able to progress to this mm. stage of the Champions League for a long time. And I think what's more disappointing from their point of view is they performed much better in those rounds than they did in this particular round because at least in the previous rounds, it was a case of they gave it a shot, they gave it a game. Like they had the best occasion, defense. Don't forget, they didn't concede yeah. a goal for the first five games. I think it was in the group stage. But this, four I mean, that, that was yeah. so incredible because they kind of gave a game to every team, even though they weren't maybe anticipating to be the favorites in those mm -hmm. games. But it gave it a game. Whereas on this occasion, it just seemed so limp and just not really organized at the back and just. The, the kind of like fouls they were giving away, even for one of them, I think it was after 3-0, and the guy's diving into the box on the Benfica player, and you're just like, what are you doing? Like, with the exception of Mayer's performance for that goal, where it just seems to be incredible, like the way he shot it into that roof of the corner, um, and then maybe you could maybe shout out Buchanan, the Canadian, who mm. we, we do like from his World Cup appearances as well. With that exception, you kind of look at that squad and go, that was really disappointing. And I think a few of their players will be lucky if they, you know, I don't know, if they'll probably stay there, to be honest. I think there'll be only a handful that will be picked potentially in the summer to go elsewhere. But again, I, I just feel they got the whole appointment all wrong. Scott Parker yeah. never came with any particular pedigree apart from maybe you could argue that he got Bournemouth and Fulham up from the championship to the Premier League 
And even then, I think a lot of those fans of those clubs have kind of reminisced and said, actually, it was a good thing we got rid of Scott Parker. Yeah, he's yeah, starting yeah. to have a bit of a reputation of that. Like, he's done all right, but he's not anything special. And yeah. I, I do yeah. wonder if, like I speculated on a group, next move you'll see him is that League One club, someone like yeah. an Ipswich Town, probably. That's where we're going to see yeah. him next. That's yeah, the yeah. problem. Quite so. possibly. Sorry, Scott, it wasn't to be. But for Benfica, very quickly, Gonzalo Ramos gets two, yes. a player that is not going to be in Portugal much longer, I imagine. Probably not. Um, and a lot of players stood out. Silva, Grimaldo, this squad is kind of full of talent. I think it's going to be a really, um, they're going to cause a lot of teams, a lot of problems. I think it'll be yeah. interesting to see how far they can get. Hopefully they get a kind draw in the next round and we can see them get through. I, I, I could even see them if they do play a bigger side. I think they'll give them a game. I think the other credit we have to give is Roger Schmidt, the um, mm -hmm. coach there. Obviously, I think he was grabs and people weren't anticipating him to maybe perform as well as they have. If you look at their league form, they'd be incredible as well. They went for, through an unbeaten run for about over 20 games it was at one point. Wow. So yeah, they yeah. are doing some really good performances in the league as well as the Champions League. And yeah, like you say, Rafa Silva's another player that everyone should be a bit worried about. Yeah. Um, they've also got a very interesting centre-back that's obviously forming the partnership with Otamendi. Otamendi. Yeah. And I've forgotten his name now, but he was someone that I think we should keep an eye out going forward. Uh, Silva is his name, but I'll get his full name. Antonio, Antonio Silva. Antonio Silva, yeah. 19 years old. Keep an eye out on that kid. He looks like the real deal as well. Nice. Well, all the Premier League teams are buying from Portugal at the minute. Like, all the best yep. players seem to be coming from Portugal. Arsenal have just drawn with Sport in Lisbon. They are a bloody good team as well. Yes, they Christ. are. There's yeah. a lot of good players in that league. But speaking of which, we do need to very quickly go on to the Cool Kids Club and talk about the Europa League. Um, I'm going to do it <laughs> super quickly because I am aware of time. Um Arsenal drew two all with Sporting Lisbon. Uh, mm -hmm. No, Sporting Club de Portugal. Sorry, don't want to make anybody angry. Oh. Um, <laughs> they that was a really disappointing game. We um, we juggled a lot. So Kivior gets his first start. Yes. Okay. Not as now, great as the first game, goal. Mm. Now, since apparently I've been on Arsenal Twitter, obviously, and apparently on the video you can hear Matt Turner shout "mine," and that's why he ducks. Um, and then Saliba heads it, and then the um, Inacio heads it in. So it looks like Kivior ducks out of the way of the ball. Not a great look, but apparently Matt Turner shouted for it, didn't come for it, and then they headed it in. So I think Kivior didn't have a he didn't have a great game in general. It was a little bit shaky. I think there was it was too many people changed. It was too much change. I think we could have. I know we've got a big game against Fulham away at the weekend, but I think there was just a few too many changes. It just stilted mm. our performances a bit. But we did manage to, after they went 2-1 up, Sporting were incredible on the break. Just super quick, super like ruthless. Um, what Arteta did do is take off um, Zinchenko and bring on Tommy Yasu. And now Tommy Yasu had a bit of a shaky performance at the weekend against Bournemouth. And I was kind of like, oh, damn it, Tommy, we need to get you into form. Like, you're, mm. you're my guy. Come on. Well, this is when you need him because defensively, he is so solid. And when a team is catching you on the break, honestly, since the second he came on, 
Sporting just didn't get out of their own half. It was just, right. he was cutting everything out. And we started to see a little bit of attacking intent from Tommy as well. There's a beautiful moment where he nutmegged one of their fullbacks twice and then whipped it in. And I was like, whoa, where's, where's this come from? Um, so it was it was good to see that. Um, Reese Nelson getting another start, that was nice. Mm-hmm. I do have to say, though, for both Arsenal goals, I think there was a foul in the build-up to the first goal, uh, in right. the build-up to the corner. And the second goal, Xhaka just spams it into their midfielder who, hit, who deflects it and it goes in. <laughs> so it was very, very fortunate, but we did dominate the game. So I think it was probably fair, but both goals were very fortunate. Right. Um, elsewhere in the Europa League... Roma two, two. again. Who were they playing at? The team Real Sociedad, Real Sociedad, which is a good result, very good result. So it goes by El Sharari and Kunbula, Kunbula, who I've Kumbula. never heard of, but yes, it's going to be interesting because that's a really strong result, especially at home. They needed to get that result at home because it goes into the return leg, and we will see how that goes into that part. Because also, Real Sociedad have been kind of one of the outsiders in the La Liga. They've been doing quite well there as well, um, basically developing this kind of philosophy for a number of seasons as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, good that result is a for tough, Mourinho. The, that is a tough place to go, Sociedad. That mm-hmm. stadium, the atmosphere is going to be fire. So I think yes. Roma, it's good that they got those two goals because that's not going to be... A simple one. Um, elsewhere in the early kickoffs, Maggie Thatcher is going to be fuming because <laughs> the unions were striking as it was 3 3. Um, an 89th minute equalizer from Sven Michel for Union Berlin gets the point. What a game! Union Berlin had 20 shots, eight on target. Uh, Union Saint Gilage, I've been yes. informed is how you say it, had seven shots and four. Like it, this was a very, very one-sided game by looks of it. Sixty-five percent possession to Union, nearly six hundred passes. <laughs> Union Saint Gilois, three hundred. Like definitely, definitely a one-sided match. But hey, ruthless, clinical. Boniface getting two goals and Vitessen. That's going to be an interesting second leg. I'm, I can't, I'll be honest with you, listeners, I can't wait to watch the highlights. I've just not had time. Yeah, no, to be fair, I think that's probably a result that Union Berlin are probably going to be mm-hmm. cursing because I think you've got home advantage. Obviously, Union Shenzhou I think they are one of those kind of sides that are outside of that cast, probably unfancied. They could prove a shock as well. So, Union Berlin probably would have wanted to have gone into this first leg at least winning. But hey ho, mm. it is the case. But in other German national news as well, we've got Bayern Leverkusen beating Ferenc Faros 2 0 as well. Yes. So, that's a good result given that they have to go to that cesspit that is Hungary and they can be a bit victorial as well. They can be a bit of a nasty environment there as well. But yeah, we've also had a few kind of games coming to the end, Rory. So Juventus look like they've done their traditional thing of winning by one goal to nil against SC Freiburg. That's not necessarily a bad result for SC Freiburg because they could be good at home, to be fair. So I don't think that's necessarily a good result for Juventus. And he's going to be purring, Rory, 4-1 win against Real Betis. Mm. When they equalised, I got my hopes up, didn't I? But Van Veghel scored, Jesus Christ. 
he scored. That says it all, unfortunately. Um, in the other two games, Sevilla winning 2-0 against Fenerbahce. Lamella on the score sheet there. And it's just come through as confirmed. Shatka Donetsk 1, Feyenoord 1. Uh, we have got goals from Ratliski and Baludi. Baludi scored in the 88th minute for Feyenoord. So, obviously, Shatka Donetsk so close. So close to winning that so, first leg. So, yes. So close. Interesting and even, first legs. even quicker, the cooler kids, the even cooler kids club. We've got to do Conference League super quickly. Oh. Lazio lost to friggin' AZ Alfaro. <laughs> the fucking idiots. They go and beat Napoli top of the table 1-0 away. And then they lose to AZ Alfaro. All the Lazio fans I've seen on Twitter have just been like, how can we be that shit after beating Napoli? Apparently, <laughs> they were woeful. They took the lead in the 18th minute through Pedro and then just threw it all away. Such a Lazio thing to happen. Um, Anderlecht drew one all with Villarreal. That's a nice little result there. Mm-hmm. Nice beat Sheriff 1-0. Who scored? Was it Ramsey? No, it was Amraoui <laughs> scored for Nice. And West Ham getting a 2-0 win over AEK Larnaca. Michael Antonio getting both of the goals. Maybe a bit of confidence for the Hammers. Mm. We can hope. And the other games are just coming towards the end now. Ghent won Istanbul Bashak Shahir won. Um, oh, Stefano Akaka, I forgot about that guy. He scored for Bashak Shahir. Oh, um, wow. Udinese and Roma legend. Uh, kicked around in Serie A for a long time, that guy. Um, Basel, Slovan, Bratislava, two all. Don't know any of those scorers. Fiorentina have beaten 10 man. Oh, well, kind of 10 man. One nil against Siversport. Max Gradel, do you remember him? Yes. Sent off in the 94th minute. Wow. My guy, Antonin Barak, getting the goal in the 69th minute. Mm. We, and finally, Adam, Lech Poznan, 2 nil up against Joe Gordon. How can yes. they make a proper run at this? Can they make a run at it? I've, I'd love them to, just for the benefit of Polish football, because uh, we've been craving a team to go at least to the latter stages mm. of a European championship. Uh, championship or competition uh, goals for Milic and Machnevsky uh, as well um, so yeah very good results um, let's hope they can do it because um, Jew Gardens aren't normally a safe side I think they're a side that you have to be worried about but it yeah. seems on the balance of play though Lech Postine did dominate this game so uh, yeah could be promising signs for the next round, definitely. Robert. And I do have to say, for Lech Poznan, a cool little fact I did learn when I went to watch them, their nickname, now you'd have to tell me what it is in Polish, but their nickname in Polish is the Railway Men, which is the same nickname yes. as Crew Alexandra. So yeah. when I was there, I was like, oh, it's another Railway Men. I liked it. What is it in Polish? Wakovnika. But it's basically, yeah, because that place, Poznan, is mainly like a central point for a lot mm-hmm. as like crew lots of railways lines go through Poznan in particular to Germany etc yeah, so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah that's one of my favorite cities Poznan is honestly one of, I yeah, absolutely love Poznan I still got friends yes. there still need to go and visit but enough about me again um we need to move on and we are going to go for our weekend preview listeners I need to take a A quick lie down, a little sip of water, and we will be back with Premier League and Serie A preview. It's a big weekend. Hi, I'm Phil Brown, and you're listening to the Anglo-Italian podcast. And here we are. We are back, and it is time to preview the Premier League and Serie A. Now, starting in the Premier League, it all 
kicks off on Saturday. We're going to go European time, half past one, at Bournemouth <laughs> post Liverpool. Now, Liverpool fresh off a 7-0 win. 7-0. They are now yeah. coming up against the team that they beat 9-0. 9-0. I think a third of Liverpool's goals this season have come against Bournemouth and United. Incredible. Adam, do you think this is going to be another score fest for Liverpool? It certainly looks like it when you look at the history. Um, last time was a 3-0 and a 4-0 win for Liverpool. Not looking great when you consider the form that Liverpool are in. The confidence after that Man United result as well. They'll obviously want to make sure that they win this handsomely ahead of their Champions League match against Real Madrid. Unfortunately, I don't see how Gary O'Neill or Bournemouth can get themselves into a better position, especially after that defeat to Arsenal as well, where they almost had a game plan, it seems, but it went by the wayside. Yeah, that's a loss that would feel like a double loss, if you know what I mean. You're so yeah. close to getting something, it's just snatched exactly. at the end. Unlucky. The three o'clock kickoffs or four o'clock <laughs> kickoffs in Europe on Saturday are Leeds taking on Brighton, the Ben White derby. That'll be an interesting yeah. one. I think Brighton there back in form, back. I think that could be a lot mm-hmm. of trouble for Leeds, that one. Yeah. Um, we have Everton taking on Brentford. Now, will the Everton fans be queuing at half time? What do you think? How do you see this game going? <laughs> Uh, yeah, they could be, but then I think if I remember rightly, this game last season was quite end to end. To be fair, I think it was eventual winners for Brentford that time. Yes, it was three two, if you recall that game. Um, it's just at a time when Brentford weren't particularly playing so well. They got this win; and it galvanised them for the rest of the season. I think Ivan Tony he gets into your head as well. So I think the way that Brentford are playing. I think, if I remember rightly, I read, I think, the second best team in Europe on form alone so far for this part of the season. So, yes, they're doing really well under Thomas Franks. And, yeah, I can only see potentially Brentford going away with the points. What about you, Rory? Yeah, I think I can see Brentford getting another one here. I think Everton will battle bravely, but ultimately be disappointed. I think actually what... Also, Everton need to really keep an eye on the first half here because I think it's a game that could get out of control if Everton start badly. Because I think if Brentford, yeah. if you let Brentford get ahead of steam up, they can run away with games. I think Everton need to be super solid first half and see if they can catch them second half if they keep it nil nil. Yeah. I think honestly, Everton, yeah, they're terrible, aren't they? Um, elsewhere, we have Leicester taking on <laughs> Chelsea. Uh, last time this was a 2 1 win for Chelsea. Sterling getting both goals. We've been talking mm. him up. Maybe he'll get another one this weekend. Leicester, bloody hell. It looked like they kind of turned a corner. They've now lost four in a row, including the, in the FA Cup. This is going to be another loss for Brendan, right? It does look like it. I was even looking at the head-to-heads and it's all in favour of Chelsea at the moment. Even at, like, obviously, the Walker Stadium, it does look like it's very much in favour of Chelsea. Yeah, Leicester seems to be on a bit of a slump at the moment. They can't buy a win at the moment. And, uh, yeah, I think the last time they won, wasn't that against Spurs, I want to say? So, long time mm-hmm. ago now. It feels a very long time ago. So... Yes, I can only see Chelsea building on their midweek win. And uh, yeah, probably another Potter revolution going on down there. 
Nice-ish. Um, then we have Tottenham taking on Forest. Now, earlier in the season, Forest did knock Spurs out of the League Cup 2-0. Mm. So there's something there for Forest fans yeah. to kind of get their teeth stuck into. But do you think this is where Conte turns it around a little bit and gets one of those, like, Forest's away form is bloody yes, terrible? I was going to say, Forest's form away from home isn't great. Um You've got two sides that are on different spectrums in terms of confidence, though, because I think even though Forest aren't great away from home, they seem to be, you know, they still know what job they need to kind of do. Um, and I feel like this is an opportunity for them to get or just annoy Spurs by getting a point potentially in this match, which would be a delight because you can imagine the amount of booing that will go on at that Tottenham off stadium. Um, stadium of Tottenham, whatever they want to call it. Um, but yes, I, I could see a draw potentially on the cards. Brennan Rogers or Brennan Johnson, even though I don't know why Rogers came into my head. But yeah, Brennan Johnson potentially scoring a goal to frustrate Spurs. How about that? Fingers crossed. Next, then the late kickoff on Saturday is Crystal Palace against City. Now, this is a game that in my head I'm like, oh, Palace have got a great record against City. And then I remember, no, they've beaten them twice <laughs> no. since 2015 and they've very rarely scored against mm. them. Um, how do we feel about this one? Palace, their form as well. Like, I think Vieira's going from, um, okay, you're trying something to, okay, you really need to try something now. They've not won in one, yeah. two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten games now. Um, drawing quite a lot. They have drawn a lot of those, but this is only going to be a City win, isn't it? I don't need to get my hopes up. Yeah, I think it will be. Um, just looking at points tally and they are kind of, when you look at the teams below them, I think that's where you kind of think what we've been saying. So Leicester, we've said it's potentially going to lose their match against Chelsea. We don't know about Nottingham Forest, whether they get a result against Spurs. So potentially, even if they do lose, they might not be dragged into it this week. But potentially the week after, that's where it gets a bit squeaky bum time, as they call mm -hmm. it. I think it is time for Vieira to watch out and get a result somewhere but the question is I don't know which fixture they do that in because it doesn't look like they've got particularly a great run I'm just having a look now because after this you've got Brighton away Arsenal away then at home to Leicester which you kind of feel could be a big match yeah then it's away to Leeds away to Southampton at Oof. home to Everton away to Wolves and then final day of the season at home to West Ham. So I'm looking that at end that. run, they are playing everyone around them. They are playing exactly. everyone around them. So I'm looking at that and I'm thinking in my head at the moment, potentially you could be looking at seven or eight points. Is that enough to keep them up? It should be enough. It should be. be enough. But you're talking about, and I'm speculating on some of these games, I'm thinking, I don't know if they've got the momentum. Uh, they've got good players. Yeah. We've always said about Palace having great players and just lacking a striker. Um, mm. Yeah, it's not great. I think Vieira not needs to get a looking, win somewhere. Yeah, not looking good for Teagles. Um, on Sunday, we have a lot of three o'clock kickoffs in Europe mm -hmm. as Fulham host Arsenal. Now, this is a tricky, tricky game. I really hope yeah. that it makes zero headlines and nobody <laughs> says anything about it. It's a routine win for Arsenal and we can move on with our lives. I'm actually a little bit nervous about this one. Fulham away is a difficult one. 
mm-hmm. uh, the game at home, we relied on an 86th minute winner from Gabriel. Um, so they properly pushed us. They took the lead through Mitrovic because we gifted them a goal. That Fulham are a very good team where they're having an incredible season. I think this is the start of a tricky run of fixtures for Arsenal, kind of, um, because we have Fulham away now. Then we've got, okay, Palace at home, Leeds at home. That's kind of okay. Then we've got Liverpool away, West Ham away. We've got City at home shortly after that. Uh, City away, even Chelsea at home, mm. Newcastle away. It's kind of these are the games where we need to get points here because in the future it might be a little bit more difficult. But Fulham and themselves in pretty good form. Um, and well, they've just lost to Bright, they lost to Brentford on the Monday, didn't they? But before they did, that, yes. they were in incredible form, um, unbeaten in seven. Um, so it could be a difficult game for Arsenal, but I think it'll be an entertaining one. I think it'll be a really entertaining mm-hmm. game, um, a good one to start your Sunday. Yes. And then definitely. we have Man United taking on Southampton. Now, of course, Southampton did beat Chelsea. Um, Man United have seemingly got over that 7-0. Do you think this is when they kick on? They've got to. Uh, I'm sure they will put it right because I, I don't think they probably fancy another 10K run with Ten Hag, to be fair, um, the next day. But, um, yeah, I mean... They've got to learn from that mistake. I think they've got enough quality. This is the thing. I think they've got enough quality in their team mm-hmm. to overcome this Southampton side. And this Southampton side doesn't travel well to Manchester no. any time, to be fair, unless they had Matt Letizia to come off the bench and maybe score a goal. Um, yeah, with a tin hat. Yeah, with his tin out on an alien intervention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We'll um, nice. Good. Oh, God. Did you see it? Sorry. <laughs> the, did you see the right Fred, the right said Fred tweet this week? <laughs> no, I haven't. What no, it's it's fucking incredible. It's, <laughs> I'm going to, it's unbelievable. It's a picture of Matt Letizia surrounded by Gary Lineker heads. And it's like, <laughs> in a world of Gary Lineker's, be Matt Letizia. Yeah, right <laughs> said Fred of becoming really, really fucking mad as well. Um, nice. There we go. Um, also on Sunday, moving on, West Ham taking on Villa. Now, Villa, one of the form teams mm. in the Premier League. They've got one of the most, I think, since Christmas or post-World Cup, they've got the like second most. This is such a shit stat. I obviously <laughs> don't know. But they've got either the second or third most wins in the league since Christmas. There you go. Mind-blowing. Right. Um, and they've got quite a few big results. Um, how? On the other hand, West Ham properly struggling. Yes. They. This is a game that West Ham need to be looking at getting at least a point from, right? How do you see this one going? I think it's a must-win for David Moyes, um, just for his career. Um, but it doesn't feel like behind the scenes, in terms of the board, they don't seem to be swayed by these results that have been happening of late. Um, we have, and I speculated, I think West Ham are one of those sides that are creeping into that relegation zone, being kind of classed as too good to go down. Um, but mm. they do need to win this. The problem is, I don't know where who is going to be the person potentially that brings that kind of win to them. I know this is kind of the Danny Ings derby, shall we call it. Um, He loves his claret and blue, doesn't he, that boy? Um, (laughs) But this is the thing. I don't really know because they've been playing so poorly. I mean, you saw the last result against Brighton and you kind of think, well, if that's their kind of motivation at this moment in time, how are they going to play against a Uday Emery, Aston Villa, yeah. who have been Shit really outside. on form? Yeah. And yeah. Ollie Watkins seems on a different planet. I think yeah. he looks much more comfortable with the layout and the way the team are playing. So I'm going to say Villa win this by at least two goals. Yeah, I tend Sorry, to... 
Yeah, sorry, Tom. I tend to agree with you. Um, nice. And then finally, on the Sunday, we have Newcastle taking on Wolves in the half-five kickoff. I think that could be an interesting one. Newcastle mm. now, it's starting to look like it's been a very long time since they've won. Um, three losses in a row, including the cup final. Um, not one in five in total. Wolves, on the other hand, um, they're inconsistent, but they are getting wins. Um, obviously beating Spurs last weekend. Mm-hmm. Do you reckon, do you fancy Wolves to get some here? Yeah, definitely. Potentially a point here as mm-hmm. a minimum, potentially. And that's strange saying that of Wolves, but I think Lopetegui has been building this side to be a bit more comfortable, a bit more attacking minded. I have seen the qualities in the last few weeks. Obviously, I think the main thing that you could maybe argue about Wolves is they don't have a natural strike at the moment who can score mm-hmm. goals. The fact is you've got Diego Costa that looks like he's basically a dustbin man, um, yeah. can't can't run like he used to. And then we've talked about Raul, uh, Mal, Raul Jimenez even, sorry, yeah. um, and his qualities. So the fact that Adama Traore is scoring the goals kind of shows you that there is mm-hmm. a lack of kind of potential up front however Newcastle not great in form at the moment um yeah I'm not looking forward to their prospect I I can feel them going further and further down the league at the moment it doesn't feel great for Newcastle at the moment good moving on from the Premier League we need to do some Serie A preview we've got nine minutes let's Let's do do it. it let's do it so Spezia kick us off tomorrow evening and this is 8.45 p.m. GMT plus one, I think. Um, but yes, <laughs> yeah, we are celebrating yeah, yeah. We are celebrating Inter's 115th Woo. anniversary of becoming a oh, club. Goody. So well done. Happy birthday to Inter. But more importantly, Rory, Spezia obviously need the points here to crave off that relegation form mm-hmm. at the moment. Inter inconsistent in the league. They won against Lecce last week. Do we expect them to build on that or do we expect them to lose this one? I think they're going to, as Inter always do, they're going to make hard work of it, but they'll probably win by two goals. I think it's going to be a dull first half. They'll kill it off in the second half, I think. Potentially, potentially. But let's see. Let's wait and see. We've then moved into Saturday's matches. So kickoff 3pm here. So Empoli taking on Udinese. Um, I think I fancy... Empoli on this one. Uh, I don't mm. know about you because Udinese haven't been in particularly great form. Obviously, we talked about their credentials at the beginning of the season. It has certainly waned off of late. Um, they have got a few decent draws in between, but apart from that, it doesn't look too fruitful there. So potentially a win there for Empoli. They've won move- one Go game on. post World Cup. <laughs> They've won not one, great. and that was not against great. Sampdoria. It's <laughs> not like a lot of their players went to the World Cup either, yeah, so I don't yeah, know why exactly. that's happened. <laughs> yeah, none of them were there. Um, they beat Sampdoria in the 88th minute. That was their one win <laughs> since the World Cup. So, yeah, Udinese have absolutely dropped off a cliff. Um, Empoli equally in pretty terrible form. Their last win was over Inter, of course it was, um, on the 23rd, <laughs> of, the 23rd of January at, in Milan. Jesus Christ. Uh, so yeah two teams not in great form it might not be a classic this one definitely not a classic but I think the game of the weekend here is on Saturday and it's 6pm it is Napoli taking on Atalanta 
And uh, Rory, Spicy. Atalanta need to win because they've been losing of late. But Napoli obviously lost recently against Lazio. They need to win just to make sure they can buy themselves a bit more of a gap on top mm-hmm. of the other teams, perhaps. Um, how do you see this game going? Well, I think Atalanta's away form is better than their home form. And I <laughs> feel like they're, they're like, it's across seasons as well that their yeah. away form's better. I don't know if they don't like their fans or I don't know what it is, <laughs> but their away form's a lot better. So I think they aren't going to make this difficult for Napoli. And I think maybe we could see Napoli, they have to get off to a good start mm-hmm. because I think they, like when they lost to Inter last time, they just went, right shake it off, bang, go. And they have to just do it again. They have to do it again. But I think Atalanta are going to be a tricky, like that Lazio, then Atalanta, that's a rough run. So I think it's going to be a big test for Napoli. Mm. But I do expect Osimhen to score and I expect Napoli to get a narrow win. Yes, let's wait and see for that match. And then this one, potentially you might be going to it, Rory. I could be out there. I could be out there. 8.45, Bologna versus Lazio. Lazio in inconsistent form again. Obviously, that's defeat against AZ Alkmaar. However, they did beat Napoli. This is the hallmarks of a performance where they'll lose this one, especially against a Bologna side that are very much in form under a Thiago Motta. Um, are you looking forward to actually maybe seeing Orsolini and Co? I honestly, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go in with one of those cardboard signs. Like Orsolini, <laughs> can I have your shirt? Give me your card. Orsolini yeah. for Azzurri. Orsolini for Azzurri. Yeah. Um, I would be very excited to see him live. I just need to convince the missus. I'm gonna promise for a very nice dinner afterwards and see if that works. Um, but I'm gonna say Lazio 100% lose this. I'm gonna say yes. if you're doing an if you're doing an accumulator this weekend. Yeah. Bang it on Bologna to win this one because <laughs> I guarantee they're going to do it. Um, Shall we move on to the Sunday? Yes, move on. And I will be as quick as I can. So we start off at 12.30, Lecce versus Torino. And then we move into the 3 p.m. kickoffs. We've got Cremonese versus Fiorentina, Hellas Verona versus Monza. And then we've got the 6 p.m. kickoff, which is Roma versus Sassuolo. And then the big game on Sunday, which is the 8.45 kickoff. That is Juventus versus Sampdoria. Now, in bygone ages, Rory, that would be classed as a really good match to watch. Unfortunately, we have got a declining Sampdoria against an ever-declining Juventus side as well. Um, Not declining quick enough. (laughs) No, yeah, exactly. They won 1-0 against SC Freiburg. Do we expect them to basically build on that and win this match? I'm not... I'm not going to sit and watch Juventus stroll to victory against Sampdoria. That's not how I want to spend a Sunday evening. I think this, like Sampdoria, I think are the worst team in the league. Yes. Like I know we said it, like we've kind of joked about Salernitana, but Sampdoria are so bad. They are so bad. I'm sorry, Stankovic. I'm sure I'm still convinced you're a great man. You're a very good manager. It's just not the right club to be at at the minute. And that squad, they are just so bad. So I think, Juve are going to stroll to that one. I think a game where we could see a bit of an upset, maybe Roma against Sassuolo or Cremonese, Fiorentina, both those teams coming out of European action. I think there's a potential there for especially Sassuolo. I think they could cause problems for Roma, but Roma Mm. in that great home form, really good home form, not conceded a goal at home for a very long time. But I do think Sassuolo could kind of cause a real problem there. Laudiente has been unbelievable for them this season. And I think Cremonese, they won't win 
but they will lead against Fiorentina for a bit. <laughs> I think they will be in the lead. That's yeah. going to be my okay. bold, how bold a prediction bold is that? Prediction, yeah. um, and then finally, we oh, there's one more. I just kept there's scrolling. One more. Got... There is one more. So here it's we go. AC Milan having a long break and taking on Salernitana. 8.45 kickoff on Monday evening when we'll be doing our live stream. Uh, again, I think this is plain sailing for Milan, Rory. Or will Piontek Pistolera come to haunt the great masters that is AC Milan. How do you see this going? I think our live stream will be more entertaining than this. <laughs> <laughs> that's not even a bold prediction. Money back that's guarantee. Um, yeah, that, that's put a bit of pressure on Monday night now. Um, oh you're four three, and we're just sat here sweating. But we will see. Yeah, I think I don't know. Milan should get through that one. Um, Salernitana away. Yeah, I doubt it. Good. Guys, we are finished for tonight. We are going to let you go home. Um, thank you for joining, as always. Um, please do remember to follow us on Twitter at Italian Angler Pod, on Instagram at Anglo Italian Pod. Subscribe on YouTube. We smashed the 200 target. Next one, 300. Let's go, guys. Let's go. Subscribe to us there. And Adam, anything to say before I finish with our customary quote for the week no just kudos thank you for subscribing if you helped us get to the 200 mark and yes we will endeavor to get some more content on there for you guys so please send us your requests of what you'd like us to cover yeah any topics players teams matchups anything you like i can't sleep until rory and adam give me their opinion on this topic we're there exactly. for you. We will try and do it. We will try our very hardest. Or we'll send you sleeping pills. It will be one of them. Um, <laughs> we are going to finish with our customary quote of the week. And this week it comes from Talk Sports Very Finest, Jamie <laughs> O'Hara. He is a leader. Chelsea, Inter Milan, Juve, absolutely fantastic. What I will say is Arsenal, Leicester, West Ham, they are going to be worried because Tottenham, Hotspur are back now with a world-class manager at the helm. Enjoy your weekend, guys. We will see you on Monday. Ciao, ciao. Sports Social Podcast Network.